Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 738 for the 9th of April, 2021. This week, any time spent waiting for a computer is wasted. Computer speed is a factor of its several components, but many applications can be bogged down by a slow disk drive. We can fix that. In short circuits, Windows 10 includes some deprecated features and services. These can be eliminated, and it's easy to do so. The National Institutes of Health has established an All of Us program, a medical research project that uses data from participants to find ways to treat and prevent disease, and may also give those who enroll useful information about themselves. In spare parts, only on the website, Consumer Reports magazine accuses Comcast of taking unfair advantage of subscribers who are working from home. Microsoft is renovating part of its huge campus in Redmond, Washington, and all heating and cooling needs will be served by deep underground wells. And 20 years ago, AT&T was offering an unlimited internet access plan for $7 a month, but the company defined unlimited as 150 hours per month. Any time spent waiting for a computer is wasted. People have been saying that at least since the early days of personal computers, and system administrators probably felt the same way about waiting for punch card readers and mainframe computers. Computer speed is a factor of its many components. Computers used for photographs and graphics need fast video systems. Those who need access to online resources need fast network connections. Many applications and uses can be bogged down by a slow disk drive. Solid-state boot drives are common in many computers now, even for some budget-priced systems. Users are even beginning to use SSDs in computers with multiple hard drives. Prices have been dropping. Mechanical drives are still the most economical way to add storage space, but the difference isn't as great as it once was, and the performance increase is substantial. Let's take a look at how to select the right SSD, and at when you can save money by not buying a solid-state drive. Let's start with considering cases in which a faster SSD won't really provide a lot of performance improvement. Disk drives used for backup don't need the speed offered by SSDs. That's the primary use case that won't see much benefit from an expensive SSD. Many manufacturers make SSDs, some well-known, others less so. Some manufacturers are known for making faster drives that are usually somewhat more expensive, but if you're looking to replace a mechanical drive, just about any SSD will be faster than any consumer-grade rotating drive. For comparison purposes here, I'm using a Samsung 870 EVO and Samsung 870 QVO drives. I've used two of the 1TB EVO models, one to replace a mechanical drive in my wife's computer, and another to replace a smaller SSD in my primary computer. 
Both use serial ATA attachment or SATA interface, but Samsung claims the QVO drives are a bit faster. The EVO drives are available in sizes from 250 gigabytes to 4 terabytes, but the QVO line omits the smaller sizes starting at 1 terabyte and adds an 8 terabyte model at the high end. To illustrate the differences you might expect after replacing a mechanical drive with a solid-state drive, I compared a Samsung 860 EVO with a Western Digital Black drive that's the primary drive for data, photos, and website development on my computer. Western Digital has five disk drive designations, blue, black, red, gold, and purple. Blue drives are the consumer-grade devices, black drives offer better performance, Red drives are designed for network use, gold drives aimed at enterprise users, and purple drives are primarily for use in surveillance settings. The Samsung drive in the computer was running at 45 degrees centigrade, the Western Digital drive at 51 degrees centigrade. That's because it's in the topmost position of a four-bay drive enclosure. In the graphic you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, no rotation speed is listed for the Samsung disk drive, that's because it has no moving parts, no rotation. The Western Digital Drive runs at 7200 RPM. I used Crystal Diskmark to perform read-write tests. Keep in mind these numbers apply to specific disk drives in a specific hardware setup, but the numbers illustrate the general types of differences users can expect by installing a solid-state drive. The test shows speeds for sequential reading and writing 1 megabyte files with 8 queues on one thread, sequential reading and writing 1 megabyte files with 1 queue on one thread, random reading and writing 4 kilobyte files with 32 queues on one thread, and random reading and writing of 4 kilobyte files with 1 queue on one thread. Those are the default settings for Crystal Diskmark. Sequential operations read and write, as you doubtless already know, to sequential disk sectors, so mechanical drives don't look too bad by comparison. The solid-state drive is about three and a half times faster than the mechanical drive, though. The major difference is shown in a more real-world test, because after a disk drive has been in use for a while, files are no longer in sequential order. When the mechanical drive has to move the heads to locate various parts of a file, seek time cuts into performance. Random reads and writes range from 60 to 300 times faster on the solid-state drive. Bear in mind, though, that benchmark tests don't entirely equate to real-world performance. Adding a solid-state drive to your computer will not make it 300 times faster, or even 60 times faster. The CPU and a variety of other factors all work together to determine overall speed, but it's clear that swapping an old mechanical drive for a solid-state drive will make a difference. The two drives I used for benchmarking both use a SATA interface which is now more than 20 years old and is no longer the fastest disk technology. If your computer supports the PCI Express bus, PCIe, the Non-Volatile Memory Express Interface, NVMe, or PCIe with NVMe support, take a look at drives that use those interfaces. They do cost more, and depending on other components in the computer, they might not provide any real performance boost over SATA drives. So start by checking out the computer. Open the case and look to see what interface options are in there. 
Solid-state drives can look like a mechanical drive in a two-and-a-half-inch case. They can look like an overgrown memory module in the M2 format. And they can be on PCIe cards for desktop computers. Then think about how much space you need and how much you're willing to pay. In 2021, the best choice for most people probably is a one-terabyte drive. Anything smaller is too small, and large sizes do cost considerably more. And don't spend too much time worrying about the specifications. If you can't justify paying for a drive with the very best specs, remember that any solid-state drive will improve the computer's performance. Happy hunting and speedy computing! If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, Windows includes a lot of useful utilities and apps, but some useless and possibly annoying components are included too. At the top of that list is Internet Explorer. You can easily dump it. Internet Explorer hasn't been updated in years, but it's still probably on your computer, even though Microsoft created Edge and then stopped work on that browser to create an entirely new Edge variant. Internet Explorer is outdated, and it has security problems. It's not the only outdated or unimportant feature that can be removed, so let's take a look. And the usual cautions apply here. Don't remove or disable something unless you know exactly what it is. Start by right-clicking the Windows icon in the taskbar, then choose Apps and Features from the menu, or you can start in Settings and click the Apps and Features tab. On the Apps and Features tab, click Optional Features. That will open a panel that lists all of the built-in functions that Microsoft includes. These range from Internet Explorer to Notepad, from WordPad to Windows Fax and Scan. Click anywhere on the Internet Explorer 11 line, and then click Uninstall. Removing some features does require a system restart. This, by the way, is one of them. Although the Windows Settings panel has a more attractive interface, the old-style control panel still offers more flexibility, so let's continue there. Click the Start button and start typing the word Features. Turn Windows Features on or off will appear in the list. Select it. Because I removed Internet Explorer already using Settings, it doesn't appear in the resulting list you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website. If you haven't yet removed IE, you will see it in that list. In addition to removing unwanted features here, you can also enable functions that you'd like to use. So here's a summary of the features that I suggest considering disabling. If Legacy Components is selected, clear the checkmark. The only function under Legacy Components should be Direct Play. It's used by games, but it's no longer used by modern games. Consider turning off Media Features. 
Some people like to leave the Windows Media Player enabled, despite its inability to play a lot of modern media types. If you have installed the VLC Media Player or some other current media player, the Windows Media Player is really no longer needed. Microsoft Print to PDF. Microsoft Office can already save files in PDF format, so the Print to PDF function isn't necessary. If you need to create PDFs from web pages and you don't have a PDF printer option, then you might want to consider leaving that one active. Under Print and Document Services, you'll find the Internet Printing Client. If you need to print over the Internet, keep this one active. It's not needed, though, for printers that are connected directly to your computer or are on the local area network, so most people can kill that one. You might also find Windows Fax and Scan under Print Document Services. If you have a fax machine or a scanner that's connected directly to the computer, leave this one active, otherwise you can shut it down. The Remote Differential Compression API support dates back to Windows Server 2003 Release 2. Because some remote access applications do use that feature, I've retained it. Most users won't need it. You'll find Windows PowerShell 2.0. Well, PowerShell is now at version 7, so there's really no reason to have that antique version enabled. And if the Windows Process Activation Service is enabled, turn it off unless you plan to operate the computer as a server. The service used to be called Internet Information Service. As with many of the changes made in settings, many of the changes made here will require a system restart. A friend in California recently let me know that he'd signed up for the National Institutes of Health's All of Us program. I've participated in a few other research projects, and this one appealed to me, so I signed up. Maybe you'd be interested, too. The email message from my friend in California said, I joined the medical research group, all of us. They just sent out, and I returned a DNA sampling kit. I want to believe that this is not some governmental scam to get more information on me. They promised that I would learn something about myself as part of the deal. So... I visited the website and found the All of Us Research Program hopes to enroll one million people to build a diverse health database. Researchers will use the data to learn how our biology, lifestyle, and environment affect health. The primary objective is to find ways to treat and prevent disease. Well, that seems like a laudable goal, exactly the kind of thing governments should be doing. So I started the enrollment process and learned about the program's core values. First, participation is open to all eligible adults who live in the United States. People of every race, ethnicity, sex, gender, and sexual orientation are welcome. No health insurance is required, and you can be healthy or have health issues. Second, participants reflect the rich diversity of the United States. The site says having a diverse group of participants can lead to important breakthroughs. These discoveries may help make health care better for everybody. Third, it says participants are partners. Participants shape the program with their input and contribute to a project that may improve health of future generations. They may also learn about their own health. The site says that transparency earns trust 
And to do that, the project informs participants about how their data are used, accessed, and shared. Participants can choose how much information to share. Fifth, participants will have access to their own information. All of us lets participants see their information and records. Sixth, the site says data are broadly accessible for research purposes. All of us makes information about participants as a group available in a public database. Everyone can explore the database or use it to make discoveries. The data from individual participants are also available, but only for researchers who apply and are approved. Any personal information that identifies a participant, such as name or address, is removed from the data that researchers can access. And finally, they say security and privacy are of highest importance. Data are stored in a secure cloud-based database. All systems meet the requirements of the Federal Information Security Management Act, and ongoing security tests help protect participant data. So the objective is to make the program a catalyst for positive change in research. Working together, the website says, all of us researchers, partners, and participants can build a better future for health research and care. Signing up to participate involves more than just clicking a couple of boxes. You'll need to watch about half an hour's worth of brief videos that explain how the research project works, what kinds of information are collected, and how personal information is safeguarded. Are there risks? Well, of course there are. Nothing is 100% safe. The All of Us website says the main risk of joining All of Us is to your privacy. The risk is low, the site says, but it is not zero. We're working with top privacy experts and using highly advanced security tools to keep your data safe. So at this point, if you decide you want to continue, you'll need to watch a bunch of videos. Prospective enrollees are then required to answer several questions about the program before they're allowed to enroll. The questions are based on information provided in the videos. We want to make sure we did a good job of explaining all of us to you, the website says. Before you sign the consent form, please answer the following questions. Well, if you paid any attention at all, you'll get all five questions right. In fact, anyone with a bit of common sense should probably be able to get all of the answers right without any previous explanation. When I signed up, there were more than 265,000 participants who have started to share their health information. The National Institutes of Health is aiming for 1 million participants. The consent form is long and detailed. I have a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website if you'd like to read it. But it is written in simple, clear English. After completing the registration process, users can begin entering demographic information and answer questions about their health. For each type of information collected, the site explains the purpose of collecting the data, what it will be used for, and any possible issues with providing the information. Users can decide which questions to answer, and in some cases, limit how the information is used. The NIH is explicit about the program not being a healthcare program. All of us is not medical care, medical advice, or treatment, the site says. If you need care, contact your health care provider. All of Us is a long-term program designed to continue for at least 10 years, and it will include research that uses data and samples provided by the participants. Those who enroll will receive information about the studies if they want to receive them. Some of the results may be health-related, but not all. All of Us may provide feedback that will help a health care provider take better care of participants, 
For example, the website notes that if any of your physical measurements are outside of what we would expect, we will tell you so that you can follow up with your health care provider. And participants will have to pay for the cost of any follow-up care with their health care providers. Other results might be interesting to participants, but the site says they probably would not help a health care provider take better care of you. The National Institutes of Health notes that some of the results might come from tests that are still experimental. So if you're interested in signing up for the All of Us program, or you'd just like to know more about it, check out the National Institutes of Health website. You'll find a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. No enrollment is required to access spare parts. Just visit the TechBiter Worldwide website, and this week you'll find these articles. Consumer Reports magazine accuses Comcast of taking unfair advantage of subscribers who are working from home. Microsoft is renovating part of its huge campus in Redmond, Washington, and all heating and cooling needs will be served by deep underground wells. And 20 years ago, AT&T was offering an unlimited Internet access plan for $7 a month, but the company defined unlimited as 150 hours per month. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.